when you really, really, really believe, yeah. that acronym, I fully, wholeheartedly believe. I put a lot of time and a lot of Yes, exactly. And I believe that. So again, when I know that, and I'm not ignorant of other opinions. I've walked sure. feedback, but yes. that is not going to change who I am yes. as a person. I'm going to use it. Feisty, baddest triathletes, cyclists, runners, swimmers, Ironman finishers, and wannabe triathletes. How are you guys doing? I am so excited to have this live show once again. And today is very important topic. Why? Because this could be something that could be holding you back to that next level high performance in your training and racing in triathlon and endurance sports. And actually I've invited a very special guest that is Dr. Meany or Dr. Brandon Meany. And he is a doctor of sports and psychology, sports and performance psychology. His focus is alignment of individual and group goals with intentions and behaviors. He's a former collegiate American football and rugby player. He's a high school physical education and yoga teacher. He's also researching and writing a book on high performance coaching through the lens of self-determination theory. I actually met him because he's doing this research and he was asking me about high performance coaching. He could tell you more about his research later on, but today we are gonna focus this very important topic, managing performance anxiety. Let's welcome Dr. Brendan Mini. How's it going, Dr. Mini? How are you doing today? Thank you, Coach Mendel. I mean, your enthusiasm is contagious from the moment I met you. So I appreciate oh. that. I heard that a lot of times. Sometimes it's too energy for a lot of people, but this is never, the way I'm good. Okay, I like that. I, like that. I vibe. I vibe off people who are uh, who are enthusiastic, energetic, oh, and ready to compete. So I appreciate good. that. Thank you. Thank you. Well, I appreciate you putting some time to help our athletes today, and we are very excited. I actually had initial conversation with our athletes, and no. And they know that they're looking forward to it. So if you are viewing to our live show, put hashtag live. Or if you're viewing this one as a replay, hashtag replay. Or if you want a link to the replay later on, just also put that up. Or if you want to tag your friends who needs this topic or who wants to hear about this topic to help them in training and racing, <laughs> let them know about it. And say, hello, you're here. You are excited and we're going to get started. So now, anxiety, performance anxiety, you know, I, I actually asked that in the group and I was kind of like curious. Not a lot of people say like, I'm having issue of that or I've experienced that and I'm not quite sure why, because I think it's a normal, I, I think it's a normal thing or maybe it's not, maybe it's just me. Tell us, um, Dr. Meany, what is performance anxiety or what is anxiety? Well, first off, it's different for everybody. There's different things that make people different anxious. Outside of the sporting world, some people are afraid to fly. Some people are afraid of walking down the street. Some people are afraid of challenges, speaking in public. So mm -hmm. this is all, it's all relative to the person and the individual. 
Um, secondly, this is normal. Hmm. I repeat, normal. <laughs> this is normal. Okay? Okay. Not only is anxiety and a little bit of sporting anxiety um, normal, but it means that you're doing something important to you. Yep. Um, that you're here, that you're ready to do your best and you want to do your best. And, and that's not a bad thing. And, and if you don't have butterflies in your stomach a little bit, wrong. Maybe, maybe you're not <laughs> doing the right thing. I, I was told on a flight from uh, Bogota, Cartagena, by a, a, a pilot said, if something gives you goosebumps, go for it. And I think that's very important for people to understand that you get that feeling, you get that anxiousness. It means you're on the right path. So really, trait anxiety, there's two different types of anxiety. Trait anxiety, same anxiety. Trait anxiety is something that you deal with in all situations and all facets of life. That is outside of my scope and sequence. That is more for a mental health counselor. Ah, okay, a, okay. That is more for a uh, licensed psychologist, sure. or clinical psychologist. That's out of my role. Okay? But what I do help people with is managing state anxiety. And that would okay. be something that you would have before a competition before a game before a um, triathlete race whatever it might be and, and that is just feelings of uncertainty feelings of okay, nervousness a lot of times you have that because either you're not fully uh you have, might have cognitive state anxiety where you're focusing too much on the pressure of the situation sure uh you might have semantic anxiety where you have uh, some physiological effects or it might be a perceived control state anxiety where you don't feel like you have the resources, you don't have the capacities to do your best. And the good news is, is that there are ways to manage and lessen cognitive, somatic, and perceived control state anxiety. Gotcha, gotcha. So I think maybe that's why some athletes don't say like, I'm having anxiety. Maybe mm -hmm. because they don't really understand that there are two types which he, uh, Dr. Meany just said, trait anxiety and state anxiety. Yep. We're talking about more the state anxiety is this are the nervousness, worry, apprehension that we feel before the competition. Is there anyone here who doesn't feel anxious or nervous or something, something uneasiness? Okay. Or if you feel it, say me, yes, and it's okay. It's normal. Mm -hmm. Okay, so let's welcome Wendell, Gloria, Justin, Fanny, Ryan. Welcome, welcome. Hashtag life you're here. Say hello so at least we know that you guys can hear us. All right, that's that's good to know, uh, Dr. Meany. So now, well, what triggers this performance anxiety or anxiety? Mm -hmm. So there, there might be many things. And okay. this should be uh, having inaccurate goal alignment. This should okay. be you thinking I want to run a six minute mile when you've never put in a That's mile right. under 615. <laughs> that could be an unrealistic goal then, right? It could be a very unrealistic goal. It could be you having an unhealthy relationship with sport. Mm. What is your athletic identity? Um, what are your core yeah. values? How do you judge yourself as an athlete? And then you go into all these other areas. Uh, you're worried about your confidence. You're worried about confidence. your capabilities, okay? Uh, environmental finances. Is your mm -hmm. job, is your livelihood dependent to being a triathlete or an athlete? Sure. You have a chaotic travel schedule. Were you not nearly as committed? Some people don't realize that 
their commitment levels didn't really mesh up with their their actions or what or sometimes the commitment they're not even clear what their commit commitments yes. are it could be like okay what's the priorities are right yeah. so okay i see that could be mm -hmm. challenging all right so then and your outside sport is your is a time away from your family so you're training sure. for a marathon you have to run three and a half four hours on a saturday you've worked all week <laughs> this, yeah I, I know if i told my wife i'm gonna be gone for four hours she might have a few questions about where are you going? Why are you doing this? You're yeah. old. You probably shouldn't be, <laughs> you know, whatever. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that lead up to this. And I, I must um, clarify that this is, again, this is not only different for everybody, but what I do very well is try to find out and pinpoint exactly what is hindering your performance and, and how do we go about managing it. I see. It sounds like for us to actually be able to manage the anxiety is to really look into these stressors. And if it's a stressor, that could be a possibility that could be causing that anxiety. And if we just ignore that and go on, okay, I'm good. Because a lot of our athletes just like work, family, train, work, family, train. It's like, it's just so much. So, so for other athletes, it's just so much to think about it and to dig into it. So they end up not being able to solve it. Yes. So now, um, what are those signs that it is happening already or it could happen before the race? Because it, it's possible that they're, they're just so used to actually um, managing their time in training. So they don't really feel like everything's okay because it's natural for them. Yep. And then now they go to the race and like, boom, there's like anxiety right before the race or during the week so yeah. what are the signs that you know that we need to actually take a look at make sure that that could be it so from a sem semantic perspective or physiological perspective people might have calm climbing hands okay. they might be urinating frequently sweating profusely uh, before football games i used to vomit oh my god like wow. alien type of uh, sounding vomit it was not fun so, um, you know, people might be sick, dry mouth, difficulty sleeping the night before. But you also might have um, some sort of cognitive anxiety where you have negative self-talk. Okay. You might be telling yourself, you don't belong here. You're not going to sure. do well today. Sure. This isn't line up. You had this happen. And a lot of people have a very difficult time not only calming themselves down physiologically, but also redirecting and reframing those negative thoughts so you can just be in the moment and you can perform at your best and that's really what we're looking to do is how can we eliminate all the periphery all the things going on in your life mm -hmm. and things going on internally physiologically and just run just swim ride the bike or in other sports just play ball so we're trying to really set up a person to create that flow state so that they're performing optimally and they're flourishing and they're not getting within their own way. So if you're supposed to run, if you're supposed to swim, uh, you know, two miles in 45 minutes, but you, that's what you're going to hit that goal, your best possible. Gotcha. So um, I want to ask people like who's viewing this one, if you feel anxious or you feel worried or you feel nervousness, uh, what, what are the symptoms? Have you actually looked into that? Or maybe you did not even know that that could be symptoms or signs. So any of those that uh, Dr. Meany actually said, 
clammy hands or like going to the bathroom often or some of the negative self-talk actually Jennifer said yeah I mean that negative self-talk that that comes up honestly like for example like what if that person actually have not been training or they could be probably training a lot but then they have this high expectation wherein it has to be perfect and then now it's not perfect (sighs) am I ready did I do enough right and and what really comes with that is when you have false expectations that don't align with what you've been doing. They don't align with your actions. And if you are someone who has been training, and and you and I spoke about this in our last conversation where you are very in the data and there's there's numbers and there's other (laughs) things that can reframe, reframe your thoughts where I have an anchor. Unfortunately, you and I cannot manipulate time. So if you are running a certain time, you're swimming or biking a certain time, and that has been consistent, you might have your best time, you might have a low-performing time, but sure. in the middle of the road, that gives you a rough goal where I don't say I have to hit my top time. If I hit my average time or a little bit, a bit above, to me, that's a success. So I'm defining the terms of my success. And then if you did have a bad day, what what happened? What led up to? Sure. Reflect on the day, and I, I go through, through that a little bit later in the, the performance plan of gotcha. how you can how you can find out what went wrong. But really, you root yourself back in statistics. Why are people? Why should you not be afraid to fly? Because plane crashes happen. Knock on wood. Thankfully, <laughs> so so little. They happen once every five, ten years. There's yeah. millions and millions of flights that go off in the U.S. Gotcha. But you might have heard of one thing that happened 10 years ago. And, then and it's only one thing. And it's like a big thing, right? Okay. You have one bad race at the end of the world. Yep, yep. So uh, Jennifer said no sleeping, stomach issues. A lot of times uh, some, some symptoms could be like, for example, before Ironman, some athletes are actually couldn't sleep and they end up not being able to sleep. And that's tough because this is, you know, like they've been training so hard. Um, and then suddenly they cannot get that sleep or they have the, this stomach issues that's related to anxiety. Uh, but part of the action plan is identifying who you are as an athlete and what your sporting ethic is, right? As an athlete, what is important to you? Why are you here? Why are you doing this? And then your ethic, did you commit the time? Did you put in the work before having this? Are you showing up as a casual race? And that's okay. Or are you there to win the, the, the thing? Did your training line up with that ethic? What are your core values and, and do you have a growth mindset? Um, well, at the end of the day, you're a human being before you're an athlete. You're always going to be. My core values are, is the, the acronym GRATEFUL. And I follow those with every single interaction I do every single day. And at the end of the day, I don't worry about what other people think because I know what I did. And that really is because I have a strong sense of myself. Mm-hmm. And let's, let's get it out there. Comparison is a thief of joy. If you're worried about what other performers are doing, not only is your attention getting directed towards them and not on your own performance, but now you're going to measure them with something that has nothing to do with you. Sure. Why yeah. would you compare yourself with somebody else? Because you, their training, their life, their natural abilities, their 
uh, cognition is not even close, is not the same and never will be. So you're saying that uh, what I'm getting there is that for me to know my mission, my core values and to focus on me rather than looking around me or what others or have those, whatever they said about me affect the way I think, the way I train, the way I raise. It has, I have to own it. Is that right? 100%. Because of what I wanted to share, like for example, in peers or even uh, in the athletes, sometimes in a group of athletes, they look around and then some of them, some of them who are new, they would be like, you know what, Coach Shangri-La, I'm not like any of your athletes because they look like they're doing great. And these are sometimes like the athletes who are just coming into the sport. But I have to like, wait, 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 wait. I will be your, I will be your um, sounding board. Let me tell you what you're telling yourself. You're looking around, you're losing focus about yourself on your training and you're comparing to those people, but you don't know what really they're going through. Mm-hmm. So I, I want to ask you going back. So how does knowing the core value relate to managing anxiety? Like knowing and separating, having the mission statement, being clear with the core values or what's important. How does, how does that connect? So most importantly, I'm a valuable human being. I make mistakes. I understand that. I want this podcast see, to be see, awesome for you, Coach. But... I'm 37 years old. I recently graduated about a year ago with my doctorate in sport and performance psychology. What I know now, and I accept this, is to be completely different than what I know in 20 years. Okay. When I start as an athlete, I know that I'm going to progress over a period of time, and I'm going to be That's way it. better in 20 years mm-hmm. than I am right now. And a lot of people That's don't it. understand that path. And me telling myself that I am valuable. That okay. you might trip, your shoe might come on time. You might fall off your bike. Yeah, you. But yeah, how do you not allow that to cripple your mission? I mean, how do you not allow that? People get nervous and, oh, people are going to think I'm bad at riding because I fell off my bike. It happens all the time. All right. But a lot of people will lose confidence in that moment. Yeah, sure. But I've already accepted the fact that this might not go perfectly. We might have a technical issue. Someone mm-hmm. might be on the other line saying, this guy does not know what he's talking about. Okay, thank you for the feedback. I'm going to use it as an opportunity to learn and grow, and yep. I'm going to move on. Yeah. So understanding and accepting your own path. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I judge myself by nobody but me. And then you set your expectation of yourself. Also, to treat those. So, for example, you said, uh, you know, like, let's say... Uh, a person who's just learning how to clip and clip the on the bike and they that person actually that athlete fell off several times but this is something that in your wherein you can accept before you even go to a bike that it's not going to be perfect the first time yes, yes. Mm-hmm. or for example it could be a race that it can take several times to actually master of how to execute those racing strategies oh and- absolutely and, and, and that experience alone, like think about how bad you were your first race. And then think about when you rode across the country, you are, you're a different coach when done. Oh yeah. From, time, from the first race to the other time. And you, right. and you have to allow that process to play out. Yep. Yep. Actually our athletes who are viewing right now, they can relate. Um, not being defined by failures. Definitely Jennifer. So, yep. but 
I think knowing that it can go wrong and having that acceptance mm -hmm. that it may not be perfect is something that could actually reduce the anxiety and and using that more of as a learning process could also reduce the anxiety. Um, and, and that's also part of goal, uh, goal setting as well, where uh, people talk about outcome goals. Okay? They, sure. the, the whole process performs an outcome. And yes, they yep. do line up. And the process needs to feed the performance. And the performance needs to feed the outcome. 100% agree. But I brought this from Dr. Michael Gervais, where he creates very lofty or broad goals. Because mm -hmm. if you create a very, very, very specific goal, yeah. if that's not met, you might think you're a failure. And then that might actually hinder performance. That might actually make you quit. Mm -hmm. So by having a loftier goal and not super specific, you're able to say, all right, well, I didn't meet winning the race, but I got third and I ran my best time. And this to me is a success. So I want to ask you, because a lot of our athletes have these goals to inspire their friends and family to come there and they wanted to show, I finished this Ironman or I finished this race. But then I think there's also this fear that gets them so anxious. Well, what if I don't get that? Mm -hmm. How do we go about it? Because I'm pretty sure there's many of athletes in watching this right now. That. I would simply ask them, how many triathletes or triathlons have you finished? Mm -hmm. Right? I mean, for me, if I, I'm an athlete, I, I participate in a lot of sports. I really don't know a lot about triathletes. That's why I contact you originally. I'm there to learn, right? Sure. I, I learned a lot in our conversation. But if I don't know a lot about running triathlons, and I've never done it, probably the average layman hasn't done it either. So they are asking you that I would go back and redefine your terms of success and then share that with them. And when you say it very calmly, that it was my goal to finish. It was my goal to come in the top quarter. It was my goal to not fall off the bike. Whatever yeah. it might be that you define, tell them that. And then see how they re respond. Because again, when you have that solid Athletic identity, when you have a solid core values, when you have a mission statement, it doesn't matter what other people know. Yeah. Actually, what I wanted to share to you, like, for example, one of the things that I had to come across of this anxiety was just last year when I say I was going to do this many Ironman in 34 days. And I, I, ha I have a mindset coach, my life coach, and I, I said that what if I don't finish it? What if I fail and I keep, I broadcast it to everyone. All my athletes now, all the people following me know that I'm going to do this crazy world record. And that was my attempt. And without knowing what can happen within that 34 days. And what, what, what she told me is that people know that you're doing your best. And you are there to inspire and not to fail. You are there to do your best and you'll do whatever it takes. So what I wanted to share you guys to those listening or viewing this one is that no, stay within your boundaries of what you believe in yourself and basically just do your best rather than being stopped by that. What would they say? Mm -hmm. Because to me, for example, judgment Okay, that could come across and I have to reframe my mindset. You know what? 
I am there. I'm going to show up and I'll do my best. I'll go solve the problem one day at a time and let's see what happens. And right. I think actually that that's a learning experience for me. And a lot of times, like I hear it from my mindset coach or my life coach, they would say things, but it's completely different when a person actually experience yes. and learn it. But it's scary. But when you really, really, really believe yeah. Acronym. I fully, wholeheartedly believe. I put a lot of time and a lot of Yes, exactly. And I believe that. So again, when I know that, and I'm not ignorant of other opinions, I've walked sure. feedback, but yes. that is not going to change who I am yes. as a person. I'm going to use it to learn. Good. Um, so one thing I, I think that we should uh, cover, talk about anxiety at, at the time of racing. Right. And when you drive, what lessens your anxiety while driving? Using what? My car, <laughs> if my brake uh, works. <laughs> I, I, what? So I'm very good at, like, I'm from Chicago, right? Oh, I know all the streets and I'm very good. Sure, yeah, okay. But most right. people aren't. And if you drive mm. in downtown Chicago, what, what, what helps people, what gives people confidence? What? Navigator. <laughs> GPS. Navigate, right? GPS, yeah. right? So when you have a GPS, when you have plans in place, okay, mm. when you're traveling, you have a plan in place, you have an yes. itinerary, right? When you're uh, getting ready a pre-race, you have routines for readiness, things that you do. I have a lot of time, medium time, no time. Mm -hmm. This is a way that you can lessen performance anxiety by having a pre-run place, a during okay. plan, and then a post-race. And these are all mental skills that will help you prepare yourself where I know I'm doing when I might feel more anxiety, boom, mm -hmm. I can snap myself back in and I can tap in to any of these skills. Now, I this isn't really a mental skill, but it's so important where you have some food in you or not eat at all. It, it all depends on your, according to your body, but you have something, all right, I ate something. I know I'm not going to get sick. I know I'm not going to throw up. Yeah. I've eaten this protein bar a million yeah. times. Then you have a clear understanding of why you showed up that day. You could imagine yourself going through the race, transitioning from swimming to uh, running to biking. You can mm -hmm. imagine yourself putting your feet in your clip, okay, the yep, smell yep. of the ocean as you go yep. past it. And then you enact your routines for readiness. And then you have something that, oh, boom, we've all been at a race or a game where you're getting ready and all of a sudden, Either you weren't paying attention at the time, your coach wasn't, or they called the race sooner than you thought. Sure. So now I can snap into my a lot of time routine, medium time routine, and short time routine. Gotcha. Maybe you have a certain song. Maybe you have a prayer you do. Maybe you do diaphragmic breathing. Whatever it might be, you can access that. And then when you go to during, mm -hmm. this is when you can engage your self-talk. Your appropriate attentional focus. First off, am I talking to myself in a positive way? Am I psyching myself up? Do Am I feeling uh, somatic anxiety where I need to talk myself down? Breathe, inhale. Uh, think about the positives. You're here because you deserve it. Whatever you might need to tell yourself. And then are you, when you're climbing in your butt, when you're um, changing from your swimsuit, are you... Is your attention on that skill or that task? Or are you thinking about 
oh my God, there's that person I lined up next to who I don't even know is a hundred meters in front of me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> where's your where's your focus? Yeah. I'm just making this up as we go. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Then when something does go wrong, how do you reframe it? How do you bounce back from that setback or that challenge? Or I slipped and fell. I gotta get back up. Lift your leg and what you know and and power through with your arms. Whatever you gotcha, have. Gotcha, gotcha. I, mean, I, I do. Yeah. So I I do think. Um, so what I how I see this one pre race, it's more definitely before the race, and then the the during also the self talk. All these ones, I do believe that we need to practice during training. Absolutely. Main reason why I say that is because at the race is that we have high emotions. And when high emotions come through, it's just so hard to control what our mind says. Yes. And it's just like in training, swim, bike, and run, we need to practice our mindset muscles or our mental state muscles, especially in the training, so it becomes a habit. Do you agree with that, Dr. Mead? Oh, absolutely. I, I always believe in situational training. How can we replicate yes. competition to the, I mean, you'll never replicate lining up all, like, all the hullabaloo and, and the, the buildup and the excitement. But how can we replicate that as much as possible so that yep. when the time comes, yep. you're ready? And this is yep. not yep. something new. Because again, after running through your first race, your 100th race is a lot different. Mm-hmm. You have a different approach to it. You have, a, you have more knowledge, you have more experience, and you're going to do better. And then when you don't, if you don't do well, you, you're going to know why too. Yeah, yeah. That's part of the post-race planning where you have a performance journal or a self-talk log. Mm-hmm. You, you create a narrative after your race. You go back through 10 revisions ours and you say, all right, I recognize what happened. Or, you know, did I accept the responsibility? Did I recognize what happened? Did I release what happened? Am I regrouping? Am I refocusing? And what's and the benefit you, of that, Dr. Mini? Because a lot of athletes are like, work is done. Yeah. I'm just going to go back and sleep all day. Why do I have to write all these things and go back? I already got my medal. <laughs> so well, why? And, and that's okay, too. It, it all depends sure. on the person. Are you yeah, reflected yeah. better in the moment? Or are you reflected better after you've had something to eat, you've had carbohydrates, you've gotten sugar to refuel your muscles. Okay. What, what works for you? But what this is going to tell you is it's going to be a reminder and documentation of what yes. you thought during the race. What did you tell yourself? When I climb on my bike, I started having negative thoughts that yes. you, have, you have all these miles to go and you're not going to do it. Well, at some point, you're going to drop that down and then you can go back and find ways to prevent that in the future. Yep. Yep. Totally agree about that. Um, and actually, you know, what, what we were talking about earlier about situational and actually practicing it. What I've also told my athletes is that when you're at, when you're doing your triathlon simulation tr- training, wherein you treat that training just like a, as a race, is that you don't just execute swimming, cycling and running. I need you to be present your mindset, like as if you are racing, because you gotta go through it. Yeah, you gotta go through it. And then sometimes, tra- God, sorry. Talk well, to I was training a, an American football player who was playing at Northern, Northern Illinois, mm-hmm. uh, incoming freshman. 
And he was really nervous about uh, – he's a, a big kid, offensive lineman, 330 pounds. He's really nervous about the conditioning test. Sure. I have seven 150-yard shuttles that you have to do with 35 sec- uh, under 35 seconds with a minute rest. So what mm-hmm. did we do? We did one week. We, I only had two weeks to prepare, mind you, only two. But mm-hmm. what we do the first week, all we did was recreate our best effort yep. in that in that test. And, and we laid our groundwork, we laid the endurance, we took away the shock, we took away it being a scary thing. And then the second week we went back and then we started making it for time. Mm-hmm. So now we do we lay the groundwork and show that we can complete this. And we did a progressive overload. But yeah. then we went back. And then we really started being a stickler on time, a stickler on the rest. And all through this thing, I'm coaching him on how to approach the task the best, being aware of where he's touching the line, being cognizant of his breathing. Is he expanding his belly? Is he using his recovery time appropriately? And this young man, by the way, not only passed the test once with upperclassmen players, he just texted me today and he passed it Again, wow. today in front of all of his coaches and all of his peers. Wow, that's amazing. That's I was, awesome. I was a very proud papa. Awesome. <laughs> I know how that feels. That's really, really good. Let, let's check out who else are, uh, what else are, are people saying? I got called for talking to myself. <laughs> I'm not going to let this hiccup effect after the rest of my race, even though after I pop my tire a mile nine or 15. Yeah. Um, COVID changed the perspective of other athletes because of this reason as well. Yep. Anyone who's relating to this, who's actually getting a lot of how to manage your anxiety during the race, what have you applied? And we're going to go to that, actually. I would love to know, because during my conversation with the athletes, there are different coping mechanisms. Some of them, they sleep through and they really relax walk, do yoga. We do in Feisty Fox Stride, we do breath work, yoga as well. Some people read book or talk to their friends and family. What are the different methods that uh, you can advise us in terms of managing anxiety, Dr. Beanie? Well, again, that's very important to the individual. And for me, on a sleepless night before a game or a competition, I know what I have to do. I don't eat before 6 p.m. Okay, that's yeah, okay. what, that makes me digest well into the night. I turn off all electronics around 8.30. Yeah. I do yoga in the evening. And then I will read before bed. So this works for me. And this helps me unwind. It helps me relax and engage my parasympathetic nervous system. I'm calm. And I go to bed on time and then I wake up early and I like coffee in the morning. And I and then I drink a lot of water to hydrate and then I'll eat. So I know what works for me, but other people have an idea what works for them. But they really going back to that log, going back to truly understanding what is beneficial for you through reflection. And I had a really good race today because you know what I had scrambled eggs before and it might be superstition or it might be something that sat very well in your stomach. Mm-hmm. Going back to the young man I worked with, we had an early morning session. He goes, coach, I ate three pancakes today because I thought that was going to be good for me. And <laughs> I'm not feeling very it works. well. 
It works well. <laughs> that's yeah, I said, that's, I said that's that. his mindset. Yeah. If it works for you, then it is what it is, right? And I, I remind him, I said, okay, that's not a problem. We're going to work through this, but let's remember when we take the test, not eating pancakes before. Yeah. I think that requires a lot of just really being present and not Absolutely. ignoring. Um, as I said, you know, we, we go to this fast paced environment, especially with triathletes. As I said, it's not just one sport, it's three sports. And then that three sports, now we need to take care of our nutrition. Now we need to make sure that we don't get injured. And we still, oh yeah, we still have family and work. Oh, I still need to do my laundry. I don't have any clothes anymore for my training. There's a lot of different things. And sometimes I agree with you. We need to put some time to just step back and see like, what's the best way to actually ground ourselves. And for you, it works yoga. And then you also said that even your, uh, uh, the, one of the athletes that you work with is just basically eating the pancakes. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. And then he changes food the day before. I think he had something, he had the day of, he had a really like toast and egg. And, okay. And oh, it's changed. <laughs> very light. Yeah. He's a big man. So he likes to eat. There's nothing wrong with that, but he was altering and playing with it and being reflective and being present. Okay. I don't feel well today. I'm not going to stop running. I'm not going to stop training. Mm -hmm. I'm going to grind through it. But now I know this is off the list and I will not do this anymore. Actually, there are also other athletes. I'm just giving ideas. Uh, athletes, if you're just listening, put hashtag live, say hello. We have Dr. Meany here. We're talking about managing performance anxiety. Welcome, Christina, Simon. Welcome, welcome. So, you know, there are other athletes actually would say that I have this bracelet. For example, we have the Feisty Fox bracelet says, I got this. Mm -hmm. Some other athletes put something on their, like a tattoo and then says like, oh, I said I will. And so I did something like yes. that or never mm -hmm. quit. Yep. So in any way that would actually keep you calm Mm -hmm. and get you back to your core value. Yep. And that reframes your thought process. When you start to go in negative town, you can look at your arm. And some people would like that. Some people would feel that this is a badge of honor, right? Me, I would probably perf preferably keep that internal. And that's fine. You can talk out loud yourself. When you're running, yep. a, tri you know, running a triathlete race, if someone's listening to what you're saying, maybe they need to refocus what they're thinking about too. You know, no one's going to judge you. No, everyone has their own thing going on. And if you have a bracelet, if you have a tattoo, if you have um, your shirt, yeah, whatever it might be. You know, I had a friend who used to put on different layers for different phrases of the workout. And when mm -hmm. he flipped off the shirt, boom, he knew he was in a different phase. Um, question. So how about – There's we, we're getting a lot of questions, actually. So how about um, – tape per week. So for triathletes, we do have periodization. We're in about two to three weeks, depending on the athlete, that athlete would actually taper before the race. So basically this is where in, instead of a person is actually training for an Ironman, suddenly it went down to almost zero, like a one hour workout on a weekend. And for an athlete who used to like train for six to let's say eight, 10 hours before, and suddenly it's only one hour because the body needs to taper. Yep. Some athletes go crazy because they're left to like 
what am I to do now? I'm just sitting here. I So do you have any advice to those athletes who just cannot uh, stand being still <laughs> and not do anything? So any advice to those athletes? Well, I, I'm, I'm with them. I idle hands of the devil's playpen. So I, I uh, anytime I'm not doing something better than myself, I, I kind of get a little anxiety. But going back to your that, that race plan, sure. this can be a, a time when you really map that out. So you usually train for four hours, and, you're, sure. and your new train time is an hour. Yes, you 100% need to let your body rest. You 100% need to go through that tapering process, but you can start to develop some of these things in this time. It'd be like, again, going back to rugby or American football, you can't practice all the time. So they use other supplemental things like weight training or yoga or team bonding or okay, um, film uh, analysis or yep. scouting report or drawing up your race plan. And you can come up with what is your expectation or mindset at mile one? What is your, what is your uh, go-to at mile two? And then you can map this out and not only occupy that time, but develop yourself cognitively to, to prepare yourself physically to help your overall uh, performance. And I think a lot of that overall on the periphery is where people really lose sight of how you can get an edge or how you can develop yourself. Got it. Got it. I, I like I like that. Actually, I, I totally agree with that in terms of actually having, I call it more of a race strategy. Mm -hmm. Like how do you execute the race itself? Because when you're just basically exercising, training, we're like, we're so involved into the putting our mindset to that training. But then, hey, after all this training, what are the targets? What are the realistic targets? Because sometimes it's honestly, like, for example, a lot of athletes like, you know what? I have a strong mindset. You know what? I'm not going to be anxious. But guess what? It's a lot better when you get your pen and paper and actually do something. That transfer of knowledge to that paper, it mm -hmm. helps us remember also. So oh, Absolutely. And then it gives you that, again, that GPS. That, mm -hmm. you know, that old yes. Mike Tyson saying, everyone has a plan until they're punching in the mouth. Well, yeah, yeah. when you get punched in the mouth, what are you going to rely on? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to engage self-talk. I'm going to engage reframing. I'm going to engage all these different things or visualization, whatever it might be. And then you're able to access that quickly. Yep, 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 yep. Because you've been in this situation before. And it's not a surprise. Now that you're a you're, uh, tire pop and you go, oh, no problem. I got an extra one in my bag. There you go. Yeah. I carry on my bike. Okay, no problem. Here we go. I, I like what you mentioned, uh, quick access. Quick yeah. access. Mm -hmm. The way I see it, I, I relate it to kind of like a file folder of yeah. mindset. For example, oh, there's ocean coming at me. File folder, easy access. What am I going to apply? And also that, that mentioned that when I said like notes, it's something that hey, sometimes you just need to read it so many times until it gets stuck to your head. Absolutely. <laughs> and, and it limits your barriers of entry. It's kind of like a, a paternal uh, libertarianism where you just see a little bit of nudge in the right way. And that keeps you from giving up. There's a lot of people who tire pop. Oh, I'm done. Never mind. Or I fell off my bike. I'm done. Never mind. But having that action plan that you've worked out 
extensively for long periods of time instead of uh, training your body, now you have that at the ready. Oh, that's no problem. All right, here's a detour. I know how to handle this. Got it. So now I, I have a, a very important question for you, and I, it could be hard because um, a lot of the athletes actually have this history when they had trauma. Mm-hmm trauma in terms of like specifically you know let's say drowning when they were a kid or maybe they had this washing machine they they thought they would almost drown in the ocean and then now there's the ocean in front of them and then there's like bang it's about to start and there's a lot more athletes around them it's a panic and then also other athletes get um get really anxious especially if they had history or what we call the three-letter word that we don't like, athletes out there, the big word DNF or did not finish. Mm-hmm. Those words, it's like, oh my God, I DNF again. It's kind of like for them, it comes back to their head. What if, what if it happens again? What if I could drown? Mm-hmm. It, it's hard because sometimes it's just, it's just hard. <laughs> Any advice on that, Dr. Meany? Well, again, then that's where you really go in the realm of what I'm qualified to do. This is a, a, a childhood trauma. Sure. Okay, gotcha. Thing. This might be something for a mental health counselor. This might gotcha. be something for a licensed psychologist or a clinical psychologist. On a performance end, if it is a uh, a little bit of a fear or a, a what if, you know, what if this sure. happens, what if that happens, you can root that back into statistics. And I'm not uh, an expert by any means of your sport. I'm I'm still learning and this is evolving, but there has to be some sort of study that's been done that you can point the triathlete to to say, well, you know, 75% of all triathletes finish. Uh, Only three people have ever drowned in competition or whatever it might be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it is scary. And I'm not minimizing the fact that that happens. Or maybe no one's ever drowned during competition. I don't want to surmise sure. or jump to conclusions. But what I'm saying is through research and through sure. taking away the fear of it and training in that medium, there you go. you're more able to ground the athlete and say, if you want to do this, there's no way around it. You have to get in the ocean. So if you want to be a triathlete, but you can't seem to, to even get your toes wet. Maybe this that goes back to the the. Are you ready? <laughs> oh, some people are like, man, I love football, but I don't like tackling people. Well, oh. you know, am I? Am I? Is this really the sport for you? And that's not in a mean way. That's not in a judgmental way. That's in a really proactive way of saying, if you can't find your way over this or through time, we don't become comfortable with this. Maybe we might need to reroute our attention, reroute our energy into places that are go- not going to freak us out. Got it, got it, yeah. got it. Yeah, all right, good. That's awesome. Well, to me also, what I always also remind them is go back to your training. Trust your training. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because the thing is that, you know, you show up there, you better be ready for it. Yeah. You, this is something, for, so for you guys, you know, if you're, uh, if you're having this trouble, make sure to dig into it, like what's causing it and to expose yourself more in a safer way. Like for example, in the ocean, yeah. if they, they know they're scared, train for it. Yep. First, admit it, <laughs> admit it. And mm-hmm. then the next thing is get help. Like what you said, 
if it's something that the psycho psychologist will need to dig into that fear to that trauma that might need, or maybe it's more of a communication to someone they trust yep. and then to I, actually share that. Absolutely. Sometimes, and it might be incremental exposure where you might yes. train if you're that terrified, maybe you yep. train in a kiddie pool. Maybe yep. you train in like an above ground pool that no one can drown in. And then you progress to maybe a, a, a public pool. And then you progress to an Olympic pool. And then you go thigh high in the ocean. Yep. Whatever it might be, it should be different for everybody, but there's definitely ways around that. But yep. if you go yep. through all those steps, and that you're still not comfortable, maybe we have to figure out what is more, what's better for us. Okay. Or, you know, like, cause there's also like the bike and run first, get to that one first, or maybe they need to focus on the swimming only and really put 100% in it. And sometimes it's not just uh, the training. Like, mm -hmm. you know, that's why we have you Dr. Minis because sometimes it's just the mindset. Yep. The mindset blocks us from doing and performing at high performance. Let, mm -hmm. Let's see what else here. Um, just one last, okay. How do you get over the anxiety of not having the correct bike for the race? Well, that, that would be a situational, um, going back to that, um, anxiety map, um, that would be a situational experience. You know, there might be people who have really, really, really top notch, high level bikes, and they might be professionals. You might be an amateur. Um, but I think you having a realistic conversation about you of, why are you in this position? Is this new to you? Like, um, you know, I have golf clubs for my dad. I don't golf a lot. I do it socially. So when people make fun of my clubs, I'm okay with it. I don't need a, a $500 driver. I get to carry around my dad's bags who's now passed on several years ago, but it's a way for me to connect with them. So that's when anybody says anything about that, I don't really care. And I'm more worried about my swing than I'm worried about having there you go. a club. It's, it's the really execution. Yes, you going back to your training. Now, but what you could say is that I understand my bike is not what I want. I'm going to create a savings plan. I'm going to do research. I might buy a better secondhand bike. There's a lot of ways that you can navigate that and come up with a plan to say, I'm not where I am right now but this is where I want to be. And it could be performance. It could be your men, uh, mental state. It could be your bike. It could be your shoes. It could be whatever. And just know that you're going to, you're going to improve on that. Like that's your goal. Yep. Actually, I can relate to Ryan because, you know, my bike before was really a discounted bike. And I, I remember sharing this to you, Ryan, you know, it's a, it's, it's under $1,000 compared to this 10, 20,000. It was a road bike, it was heavy. But guess what? One thing that would change big time is trusting you, you, you the machine, trusting your training, looking back at your Garmin data, the data itself, you showing up, get it from there. Yeah. And then also the next one is actually looking for athletes or just like Dr. Meany in his example, it's more of the execution rather than the, than the club itself, yes. than, than the equipment, than the gear. Or when I say that, hey, I did it. I actually bike with up to 300 miles with that under $1,000 discounted bike. Yes. And that took me to several 200 mile ride. Mm -hmm. And I finished a full Ironman with that. Yep. And it's not gonna be only me. There are a lot of other athletes there. And I actually, 
I'm impressed with those athletes who just show up just to do it, just to experience it, just to enjoy the race. I have an athlete right now did a sprint triathlon with a beach bike and it doesn't clip. And you know, you know what I told her, just learn from it. Use it as a learning experience. So instead of worrying about your bike, focus on the training, focus on you, trust you that you know how to ride your bike. (laughs) All right. I think we got all the questions that we have. Dr. Meany, it's very, very helpful that you actually got on the call in our live interview. I want to know how can we get hold of you if we have other questions relating to this mindset game? How can we perform at yeah. high performance? How can we manage anxiety? How can we contact you? Well, first off, uh, probably the best way is through LinkedIn. I do okay. most LinkedIn. Of my stuff through LinkedIn. Um, I'm readily available there. I'm, uh, you can learn more about my profile and a lot of my experiences and what I could provide um, through email is another uh, point of contact. And then I'm off the grid with social media. So I'm, I'm not like a, a Twitter guy. I'm not, I'm not a Facebook guy. I try to, um, again, going back to simplifying your life, taking away some of the periphery, um, I try to focus on, on positive interaction. So uh, you won't find me there, and I'm, and I'm happy about that. But uh, those are probably the best two ways. And I'm always available uh, to learn more about individuals, um, to help them be their best self. And uh, this is something I'm incredibly passionate about. And uh, I'm here because other people have helped me get to this point. And I really believe in paying it forward and uh, trying to help people uh, enjoy their life as much as possible. And and a lot of that comes through challenges and accomplishment. So, um, and one last thing is that this might sound overwhelming. It might sound very hard, but when you really simplify yourself, when you really are present and you are cognizant of what you're doing and how that translates into your actions and how those actions influence your performance, it really becomes a simple thing and a simple pro- process to navigate. Got it. Yeah. So, here on this uh, live show and also in YouTube or podcast, we're going to have in the caption the contact of Dr. Meany. If you guys would like to contact him, directly contact him through LinkedIn. He is very good in responding emails too. So we're going to give that out so you guys can contact him. If you want to get help or that information, just say hashtag Meany, hashtag health. So we can get you that help and we can get you connected. Also, the next thing is that if you want us to just basically tag you on that uh, champion mindset sheet that I also showed you earlier that you have available right now and you don't have to pay anything, just, you know, just tell us and then we'll get you that one too. Okay. I think, I think that's actually really good. Let's make sure Let's see, Christina, Ryan, Jennifer, Wendell, Simon, and the rest of the other athletes who actually join us in. Make sure you say what you've learned on this live show and then what you get. And then what else do you want to learn more about what we just talked about if we're missing anything else or any other questions that may have come up? Thank you again, Dr. Meany. We really, 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 really appreciate your time. I know you're ahead of us, but thank you. Well, and I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate our relationship. Um, I really believe in what you're doing. And uh, 
hanging out with you. So much fun. And I always enjoy the opportunity to learn and being around some of your energy and enthusiasm. Yes. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone. You guys have a great week. Bye.